welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the fastest growing movie podcast out there where we talk all things film. On today's episode, we discuss Marvel's Black Panther. What is up, movie friends? Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. I'm Anthony. This is James. Today we're going to be doing Black Panther, which was released in 2018, written and directed by Ryan Coogler and also written by Joe Robert Cole. T'Challa, heir to the hidden but advanced kingdom of Wakanda, must step forward to lead his people into a new future and must confront a challenger from his country's past. This film had a budget of $200 million and grossed $1.3 billion total worldwide. It won three Oscars, including Best Score, Best Costume Design, and Best Production Design. It was the first superhero film to ever be nominated for Best Picture. Joker was the second film superhero film the following year. Black Panther was such a great surprise, and I think until Thor Ragnarok, it was the the most re- most refreshing Marvel movie up to that point because it was so different and unique and did its own thing in a lot of the ways and kind of like treaded its own treaded new water for Marvel films. Yeah, it's a historical blockbuster superhero film with an almost all black cast. And the thing I like about this movie is it hits all the points basically of a Marvel movie. You know, the humor, the storyline, um, the same. Like quippiness, which is always fun because Marvel movies have kind of overtaken comedies in a way. But also this film has a ton of character depth as well as the global significance in this world is so symbolic of what's happening in our world today. And it has been happening for a couple centuries. And not to mention the cast of this film, this ensemble is exceptional. So many great actors. I mean, obviously we have Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, but then we also have Lupita Nyong'o, um, Daniel Kaluuya. We have Martin Freeman. Uh, Angela Bassett, Sterling K. Brown, Forrest Whitaker, Andy Serkis. The cast is insane. The best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. You'll get special perks like personalized messages, personalized videos, our schedule for episodes upcoming, and then top tier patrons get a monthly shout out on the podcast plus exclusive video content. Every dollar we get on Patreon goes right into the show and it helps make it better. So we, we appreciate everyone that's already joined our Patreon. Head on over to our brand new website, RaidersOfTheLostPodcast.com to check out all of our sources of content, our merch, our t-shirts, our sweatshirts, our stickers, and our custom movie posters. It's stacked. And Ryan Coogler is an excellent director. He made Fruitvale Station and Creed before this, and he came out of the scene um, out of the Sundance Training um, Center um, with Fruitvale, and he showed with Black Panther that he was extremely talented in making a, a film that the entire world can enjoy, which is a hard thing to do, even with the Marvel brand behind you. And I think he wrote a really unique take on a superhero film. And he brought a lot of his his background and his experience into this film, like setting um, the opening in Oakland, which is where he grew up himself personally, and adding the, the black experience that only someone like he would know and injecting it into the storyline. And I love Ryan Coogler's films, and I and he has this great relationship, obviously, with Michael B. Jordan. They've made all their films together. They kind of came into regular, well-known prominence together with Fruitvale and then with Creed. And they kind of have that relationship that you could say that De Niro and Scorsese had, where what's great about it is, of course, he's going to act in probably all of his films in his career, or a lot of them, but also he's not always the protagonist. Michael B. Jordan's sometimes the villain like he is in this film. But also, when I, when I talked about character depth, with this film specifically, Obviously, T'Challa is the main protagonist, and then Eric Stevens Killmonger is the antagonist, but both these characters, they're they're empathetic, and we're constantly battling back and forth with who's in the right, who has the most justified storyline, 
Eric's anger, you could argue, is justified in his timeline, and but whose motivations and whose storyline and story arc is most realistic or or most positive? I think what I'm trying to say. I think that Killmonger is easily one of the strongest Marvel villains in the MCU because, like, you're the point you're getting to is the audience was really able to empathize with him and understand him and kind of get behind what he, what his motivations were. Uh, Thanos is the same way where you can understand what he's trying to do. And also I think Loki's is a great villain because you can empathize with him, especially when you learn about his his background and who, who he truly is. And so I think Marvel, their villains aren't always the best, but with Eric Killmonger, um, I think he's easily one of the strongest of the bunch. Yeah, it's a rare superhero film where the conflict, it transcends a, a plot of just simple good versus bad. And again, both protagonists and antagonists have ethical rights and wrongs. Like you said, we feel empathy for both sides. We understand both their motivations and desires. And they've also lived very different lives despite being countrymen. T'Challa was born a prince in a very privileged life, whereas Eric has really known nothing but hardships since he was a child. So who's in the right? And I think that's what makes this such a strong story because both these characters, it's not clear cut who's in the right, who's in the wrong, good versus bad, uh, good uh, light versus dark. Michael B. Jordan actually based his um, attitudes towards uh, Chadwick Boseman in the scenes as he imagined that he was like a, a poor kid visiting his rich cousin's house on thanksgiving and how he like he brought he meant used that mentality to act alongside chadwick boseman so it shows like he's kind of he feels like he's un, an underdog in life compared to him and unfairly became an underdog whereas t'challa was given everything and was born with an entire kingdom under his belt but obviously let's talk about t'challa aka chadwick boseman for a second because chadwick was an actor of immense talent and range. He was tapped to play several iconic real figures in history, including Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, Ernie Davis. And he had that chameleon-esque quality where he really disappears into roles, which we, you know, similar to Christian Bale and Meryl Streep and these high talent, high caliber actors and Chadwick was right there with them. Yeah, I was a big fan of his before he was even cast as T'Challa because I saw 42 as him him as Jackie Robinson, and then I saw Get On Up with him playing James Brown, and he absolutely blew me away with those performances. He's great as James Brown. It was unbelievable what he did. If you haven't seen it, watch Get On Up. It shows like the real immense range that this guy has. Because that's a character. Sorry, that's like a character that like how do you play that? He he managed not to just impersonate James Brown, but he felt like it was James Brown. And I think he'll I think he's gonna posthumously win the Oscar this year for Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom. He won the Golden Globe, and so I, I think it's a good shot. He'll win the the act the uh, Best Actor award posthumously, just like Heath Ledger did um, more than a decade ago. But um, the thing with Chadwick is, I think he epitomized like what it means to be a good a good person and a good man. And uh, I think he had just from the interviews you've seen of him, he seems to have a great moral. He seemed to have great moral character and was just a, a great person. And I mean that he. He was battling cancer while he made this film, and nobody knew about it except for his personal his his personal relationships with his family and whatever close friends, I'm sure. But otherwise, nobody knew that he was sick, and that's such an immense burden, not only psychologically but also physically. I mean, you're you're dealing with cancer. He's probably doing chemo, if not during this filming, but or immediately after. But just to keep your your body mass and muscular shape like that while going through cancer, while going through chemo at some point, and he's still making other films. That's just 
such intense dedication. I'm sure every day of his life was exhausting. You know, you're going from set to working out to reading lines and studying everything. And so it's probably, it was such a burden every day, but the fact that he persevered every day and acted pretty much till the the day he died is so empowering. And from the interviews I read of the actors and filmmakers who worked with him on this movie, uh, they said that even when he was finished with his takes, uh, he would, like if you're a big movie star, you don't have to always act in scenes with other actors when they're shooting their side. Like if, like if there's plenty of big stars who, if they're like kind of a big deal, they'll be like, yeah, I'm not going to fill, I'm not going to be there if I'm not going to be filmed. So they'll have like a stand-in. So, yeah. So they'll have a stand-in to finish, to read their lines with the other actor. Cause um, like someone like a big name, if like Robert De Niro or Al Pacino gets cast in a movie, the set each day will make sure they film their takes first so that they can leave as soon as possible. That's just like a part. Some people put it into the contracts and then Chadwick Boseman apparently would stay late and make sure that he would always be on set reading opposite his actors when he wasn't even on camera. And he wanted to make sure that the other actors always had him as their partner. And that's something like it's a testament to his work ethic and his commitment and his drive to be able to do that while you're battling a, a serious illness is just absolutely stunning. Yeah. And you know that he was probably going to be in that class of like the next De Niro, Pacino, Denzel Washington, you know, what Christian Bale's probably going to be. He he had that talent and he had that range and he was getting these massive roles now. And I think after Black Panther, you can assume that he would have been able to do anything after that. Speaking of Denzel, he actually... Uh, unwittingly paid for Chadwick Boseman's college. Uh, Chadwick Boseman studied uh, theater and he applied to this scholarship program for for um, black actors who uh, didn't have money for school. And uh, it was the scholarship program was is still funded by Denzel Washington. And so, hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Chadwick Boseman got his education paid for by Denzel. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Over 2 million men, 2 million men are using Manscaped products, including their incredible and waterproof Lawnmower Groomer 3.0. It's got a built-in light. Again, waterproof. You can use this in the shower, in the tub. It's got a flashlight on it to help you see down there and 
all their products are phenomenal. Their boxer briefs, their colognes, which actually smell great. Their deodorizers, their t-shirts. They've sent us everything. Their rep Kyle has been so awesome. Definitely get on manscaped.com right now. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost for 20% off and free shipping. Fellas, you got to do this. These are the best products you'll ever use for manscaping. And ladies and gentlemen, these are the perfect gifts for the men in your life. And I love the opening of this film because we have the great graphics kind of like, it's sort of like a James Bond opening where it's these incredible visuals that mm. kind of thematically go with the story and the characters. And we learn about, we learn about Vibranium. We learn about Wakanda and how the five tribes who warred over the meteorite until one warrior ingests the heart-shaped herb affected by the metal Vibranium to gain superpowers. And he's the first Black Panther and he unites the tribes and forms Wakanda. And it's this, this secret society Wakanda, which is so fascinating. It's got this concept of, of globalism versus isolationism where it poses as a, as a third world nation and it's almost like a different planet. They have their own technology. They're very wealthy. They have obviously immense amounts of an entire mind full of vibranium, the rarest and most strongest metal on earth, as well as the properties that come with it. And then they have their own, you can assume weapons, obviously, and then unique infrastructure. And I, I like to imagine like what their schools, their businesses are, their day-to-day -day activities, like around all this tech and wealth. And then, Claw, the character played by Andy Serkis, he actually refers to it as the prophesied golden city, which everyone and all the explorers thought was in South America, but it turns out it was in Africa. Yeah, he calls it El Dorado. And the thing with Wakanda is it has been hiding itself from the outside world for centuries now. And the, the entire world thinks that it is actually a third world nation that um, is in desperate need for assistance, even though Wakanda always rejects aid or help from other countries. And so um, we all know they have this gigantic hologram that um, disguises the country as just being a mountainside of empty farmland. And so the actual city is hidden inside that hologram. And this is one of the conflicts that T'Challa has to deal with. And that is uh, pertinent to uh, Killmonger's storyline is that why should this country not help those others in need, especially the countries that surround it, which are very poor nations. And so the Wakandans, they have this view that I think that their their survival depends upon their isolation and the protection of their natural resources. Wakanda believes that allowing other nations to become aware of who they really are could put them in danger. Yeah, so why are they afraid to reveal themselves? Like you said, they're they're worried about they're they're afraid of being invaded really by and losing everything that they have. They're worried about the vibranium being stolen once people find out about it. Is it is it better to hide in plain sight? than to reveal your truths to the world. And I mean, obviously, Wakanda represents many of these African countries that what could have looked like, if not for imperialism in the, obviously, the 18th and 19th century, you know, Africa is a continent robust with resources like diamonds, crude oil, gold, coffee, tea, iron, and much more. But in the 18th and 19th centuries, the majority of Africa was colonized by the British, the Portuguese, the French, the Spanish, Germans, Belgian, and Italians. And so, I think what they're trying to show is like what these countries could have looked like, what kind of wealth they could have experienced if they were never colonized by nations that had greater tech and greater weaponry and just waltzed right in and just took over their countries. Yeah, that's a great point. And um, I think Shuri, she even calls uh, Everett, Martin Freeman's character, colonizer, which is a, a hint in reference at that. And what drives Eric especially is that he, he, he believes that Wakanda needs to be revealed to the world. And, he, and that's what his motivation for his entire plot of the story is is 
taking control of Wakanda and showing the world who that really is. Not, really well, that's are. not his full plot. His plot is that's part of his plot. His his mm. main goal is to free those who are oppressed around the world who are from Africa. Yeah. So that's what he wants by to do. using Wakanda's resources. Yeah, basically. Yeah. But him and Nakia, they both want kind of the same thing where Nakia just wants it to help people. She wants to Wakanda to real, reveal the truth of their resources and advanced technology for the good. Whereas Killmonger, obviously we can empathize with his motivations, obviously wants to bring death and war to the world. He wants to retaliate for the the past yeah he wants to use violence to make up for the past so whereas t'challa yeah. wants to use non-violence yeah exactly and remain secret because that's tradition in wakanda but also he's grappling with the concept not just with tradition but loyalty and truth and there the tradition of wakanda is tainted in in t'challa's life because of the actions of his father and the secrets that his father kept from him which he learns later on where he his father killed killmonger's father in Jobu, in Jobu. Mm-hmm. and so that leads to a lot of self-doubt with T'Challa throughout this film, which makes him think twice about the actions that Wakanda takes in terms of their secrecy and not helping people in other countries around them. And it helps, and, and that self-doubt is one of the reasons why Killmonger is able to come in and defeat T'Challa. Yeah, so T'Challa is dealing with a lot because at first when he gets the throne, he feels as though he's not ready and especially feels insecure that his father isn't there to help guide him anymore. And so he's grappling with that, and then he has to grapple with the the reveal of the truth of his father's past and how he has to deal and come to terms with that. And so it's a challenging story for T'Challa. It's not just a simple superhero movie. There's a lot of depth to it, which is so great. And it's obviously, there are a lot of similarities between this and The Lion King, which I think Disney likes to do is they, they take great stories and they kind of remix them in a way or try to implement them in other ideas. Um, we've seen them do it a bunch of times. But the similarities between The Lion King and Black Panther include a challenge for the throne but instead of the rightful heir returning to challenge the throne it's the villain of the film who wants a shot at the throne t'challa speaks with his deceased father for advice just like simba speaking to his father's ghost in the sky the ancestral plane that t'challa visits looks just like the scene with rafiki and his ancient tree um t'challa has to learn how to be king and like you said he's struggling with the right decisions to make he's full of self-doubt just like simba is both films have this great metaphor, the Cain and Abel metaphor of the murder by one brother of another, whereas obviously Scar kills Mufasa, T'Chaka kills his brother in Jobu. There's a bloody battle for the throne where the king is tossed off a cliff. The female warriors fight with the rightful king. The good king defeats the bad one, obviously. And, and then the good king tries to help the bad king, but the bad one chooses death. Wow, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, I did. I you know I did feel um, it reminded me of the Lion King definitely when I first saw this. Yeah, movie. both incredible stories. Yeah, and I love the the culture and world building of this movie. It's unlike anything that Marvel had ever produced before because it's the production design is so extravagant and the costume design is astounding. It's really some of the best costume design in, in the last few decades. It's, it's like watching Phantom Menace sometimes. Yeah, it's unbelievable. The what what um. The crew did in this film the the architecture they built and i love the the design of the city because yes it's extremely high in technology and, and much more advanced than the rest of the world but they still referenced a lot of the architecture that you can see in africa in terms of how huts are shaped and different kinds of roofs are used in huts in different villages and so you'll see this extremely advanced skyscraper then it but then it has a roof that looks like the canopy of like a, a hut 
you'd see in an African village. So I think they did an amazing job of blending and meshing together um, the old and the new inside of Wakanda. This episode is also sponsored by MoviePosters.com. Use our promo code Raiders15 at MoviePosters.com to get 15% off your order today. MoviePosters.com is the number one place to get your posters online. If you're looking at our set online on YouTube, you'll see that it is decked out with these posters. High quality, great printing, pretty much any size you want. All the movies you can think of, MoviePosters.com has got it. Framing, backlighting, whatever you want. MoviePosters.com has also teamed up with our podcast to sell our custom-made Raiders of the Lost Podcast movie posters. Head on over to RaidersoftheLostPodcast.com. Again, RaidersoftheLostPodcast.com to check to check those posters out along with the rest of our merchandise. And don't forget to use Raiders15. Again, Raiders15 at MoviePosters.com to get 15% off your order today. Yeah, and also the characters that make up this world are all strong. They're positive. They're not really cliched. Both the male and female characters, all led by Black Panther and you know the the protagonist he's journeying through this arc that of course it's he's trying to stop a villain but he's also his decisions impact the entire world which is so fascinating in terms of the government responsibilities that are tied to a king of a nation like wakanda and eventually when they revealed the truth at the end of the film you can only imagine what the implications are going to mean later on going forward for them and I think that this movie takes inspiration from a lot of famous movies as well. And I think uh, most obvious would be James Bond. It feels very much like a James Bond-esque where Shuri is kind of like T'Challa's Q. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love the scene where she's showing... It's just like an old James Bond movie. Like Q showing James all of his new gadgets. Like she's showing him the new suit and the new shoes and all this new gear and tech. And it, it just harkens back to the nostalgia that you feel when you see a James Bond movie. And I think those elements that Krugler brought into the film really benefited it and made it and made it so much fun to watch. Yeah, and some more great characters are like Nakia played by Lupita. And this is T'Challa's ex that we learned. And she, again, wants to he leave. did pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> she wants to, to leave Wakanda to help those who are in need. And again, she wants to use Wakanda's resources for good. And she doesn't want to keep being a secret anymore. And she's basically like a spy. Pretty much. Yeah. That's what I think that's what they're insinuating. Yeah. But what's cool about Nakia is she always wears green. Every single one of her outfits, she's wearing green of some kind because she rep represents the environment and she represents her specific tribe in Wakanda, which is the river tribe. And even though she's blending into the circumstances of whatever environment she is in the outside world, she's still connected to Wakanda. And so that's why she wears green. Yeah. And her T'Challa, you can assume that they had a great romance, but they clearly butt heads philosophically. And T'Challa is afraid that Wakanda will lose their way of life if he follows in the direction that Nakia wants to follow. And he's adamant that they keep their borders protected and closed and not let anyone from the outside world into Wakanda and not offer foreign aid. And then I think a highlight of the movie would be his sister Shuri, who is just a, an outstanding comic relief element in the film. So funny. She's, what are those? What are those? <laughs> She's so funny. And I think a lot of really high-profile actresses auditioned for this role and they cast her and this actress is I think she's unknown I never seen her in anything before this but she steals every scene she's a part of Letitia Wright yeah she's excellent and I love the scene when she's uh, dr uh, driving the car from her from her station I, I really it's really fascinating how the the vibranium can pretty much be used to do pretty much anything it's yeah, unbelievable it's really cool and it's actually really cool in the comic books adamantium the adamantium the armor the famous metal used in wolverine that was actually created by scientists who were trying to duplicate vibranium 
and in their process they they made adamantium let's talk about vibranium for a second so it's an incredibly rare and powerful metal that came from a meteor obviously and in the marvel universe vibranium was first deposited on earth ten thousand years ago when that meteor crashed and in the comics a different variety of vibranium is found in wakanda which absorbs sound waves and other vibrations including kinetic energy makes this metal stronger and the cool thing about vibranium in terms of of uh, black panther in this film is shuri is able to develop t'challa's new suit to absorb that kinetic energy and use it as a defensive and offensive weapon and in this film ryan coogler actually used vibranium as uh, a parallel to uh, minerals that are actually mined in africa and they're actually mined under uh, horrible human rights violations like child labor and forced labor and stuff and these minerals are things like coltan and cobalt which are minerals that are used to create um energy devices so like things like that power smartphones or that power like electric things and so all the things that we enjoy in first world nations they're they're powered by things that are dug up in Africa, in various countries in Africa. And so Kugler used vibranium to, sh- to speak about a parallel between those two things. One of my favorite characters in the film is also Okoye, who's this powerful female warrior and general of Wakanda. And the whole country of Wakanda is full of these strong, powerful women, which is such a great thing to see. And I love the aesthetic of them because their beauty isn't based on the like their hair or, or, or their outfits. It's more based on strength and bravery and they're the fiercest warriors in the country. Each one of these women in, in this squad, they're brought forth by each tribe. So each one represents a different tribe in Wakanda. And each one is her own uh, fiercest warrior within each one of those tribes. And Okoye, she's actually has a romance with Wakabi. He's played by Daniel Kaluuya. And, and Wakabi is a really fascinating character because he's the leader of one of the tribes of Wakanda. And he also, of course, supports T'Challa and he supported his father T'Chaka. But... He loses favor because T'Challa is unable to capture Claw and bring him back to Wakanda. And so Wakabi's been waiting for T'Challa to prove himself worthy of being king, which is great because you can clearly tell that Wakanda is a country based mostly on respect. And obviously when T'Challa is being crowned and he has to lose the power of the Black Panther to accept any challengers for the throne that are of noble blood... No one challenges him except for Mboku, who's of that the mountain tribe. He's the only one. No other tribes challenge for the throne because you can tell that everyone respected T'Chaka and they respect T'Challa just as much to lead them into prosperity and safety. But Wakabi eventually starts to favor Killmonger when Killmonger is the one who's able to bring Claw, who's plagued Wakanda, dead to to Wakanda as a tribute in a way to be accepted into the community. Yeah, he's a he's a vital character in the plot because he ends up you couldn't you don't it's not so much that he betrays T'Challa, but he he's the first person to accept Killmonger as a member of the community because of the act of bringing in Claw and bringing in Claw, and so. And Kaluuya has a great performance and the character is complex because he is fueled by the loss of his family who were who were killed by Claw. And so what he wants more than anything is vengeance for his family. And then the person who delivered to, I think that he'll become loyal to whoever delivers that to him. And that's Eric. And then before 
talk about the villains, I want to talk real quick about Agent Everett Ross, played by Bilbo Baggins, a.k.a. <laughs> Martin Freeman. Who's I love Martin Freeman, everything this guy does. Yeah. And he's an undercover CIA agent who's trying to make that deal with Claw in the beginning of the film to get that vibranium that was stolen from the museum. And the thing with Agent Ross is he clearly butts heads a little bit with T'Challa because neither of them want the jeopardization of their mission to occur because they both have similar objectives, but they both want possession of Claw and to, to bring them into their own way. Everett represents the outside world, and an example with Claw is that Everett believes that the vibranium that Claw possesses is all the vibranium that Wakanda had. So he 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 is he represents the viewpoint of the entire world, thinking that Wakanda has nothing and is very poverty stricken. And so it's it's surprising to him when he is actually brought to Wakanda to to um, be healed by Shuri, uh, and he sees that Wakanda is actually the most technically advanced nation in the entire planet. Yeah, and Ross takes a bullet for Nakia, which is such a great act of heroism. And I love how T'Challa takes him to Wakanda. Is basically a thank you to Ross, and also he feels indebted to him in a way, I'm sure, which oh, yeah. is why he wants to heal him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the villains in this film are phenomenal. Obviously, we have Andy Serkis first, who's, who plays Claw, and Claw has plagued Wakanda with his crimes for decades and was even a torment to T'Chaka when he was king, and Claw plans to sell that artifact that he and Killmonger steal from the museum. And I think it's a breath of fresh air to see Andy Serkis play an actual human character on camera because with his face being seen, he's such a talented actor and he's, he commits to his roles completely. You can tell he's unrecognizable in this movie. His South African accent is phenomenal and Claw is clearly out of his mind. He's arrogant. He's greedy, but he's also clever. He seems like he's having a lot of fun making this movie. Like it was a <laughs> blast and Andy Serkis is unbelievable like always. And, and Claw, I think is the only person to ever see Wakanda and survive outside and leave and leave it I believe so yeah, yeah. so I, I think that he's a really fascinating character for having been able to achieve that and he's vital to the role for uh, Killmonger for his plan yeah because Killmonger who's like you said is easily one of the best villains of the MCU clever skilled on a war path he's a former black ops soldier um according to him every scar on his body means a kill and there's about 3,000 on his body so you can only assume that he's killed 3,000 people which is disturbing for a villain to actually see the representation of the death that is in his past that he's caused and the scars on Killmonger's body it's called a it's called a form of body modification called scarification and this is actually an old tradition carried out by a lot of African tribes and um, they use it as a form of social status and identity and they use it to mark milestones in their life and so Killmonger took that concept and used it to mark not just milestones, but like you said, each kill he has. And it's a kind of a way for him to connect to his ancestry uh, that he doesn't belong to because he was raised in Oakland. Each one of these was handmade by the crew and it took, I think, three hours to put onto Michael B. Jordan's body and then they had to paint over it. So it took a lot. It's a real long process to put them on, but it looks amazing. Yeah, and it might be a reason why Wakabi connects with Killmonger in ways because Wakabi also has that scarring on his face. So he's got maybe like uh, maybe 50 of those scars uh, in like a, a curved pattern on yeah. his cheek. And Killmonger becomes the main antagonist about halfway through the film when he uses the body of Claw. He betrays Claw and shoots him and uses that body to gain access into Wakanda through Wakabi. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Be in his tribe. And Killmonger, fascinating and complex character because, again, same countryman as T'Challa, could have had a very similar life, you can assume, but was basically excommunicated in a way by his own king that he didn't even know existed at the time the king of Wakanda himself back in Oakland when uh, T'Chaka kills his father. And he, he should have grown up in Wakanda if it wasn't for what happened with T'Chaka and Mjobu. And as a result, Killmonger, Eric, grew up without a heritage, really, which is a, symbol, a representation of many global black citizens around the world who don't know their genetic lineage tracing back to the continent of Africa because it was, it was lost due to the fact that their ancestors were slaves. And so they have no idea really what country they're part of in the continent of Africa. And Killmonger represents that loss of identity and loss of heritage. And again, banished basically, basically from his, home, his own country. He reminds me of young Adonis in Creed. You know, like he's, yeah. he's an orphan and he's angry at the world. Um, because of the the circumstances he was put into as a child. And I, one of my favorite scenes in the entire film, it could be my favorite, is, is the challenge scene with uh, Killmonger and T'Challa because there's that challenge scene in the opening of the film with Umbaku. And it's a, a great scene. I love the, the culture that they built in this film where um, they take the uh, Black Panther powers away from T'Challa and then that makes him a, a mere mortal man and... and he he does dispose of Umbaku, although it's a challenge. But with Killmonger, it's kill. He has no chance against Killmonger. Eric just dominates him in this battle, and he's lucky to get out alive. If he hadn't fallen off that waterfall, he probably would have been killed by Eric. So it's a it's a intense fight. It reminds me of the Bane Batman fight in Dark Knight Rises, where the the hero is completely dominated by the villain and just physically destroyed. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is the, the fighting aspect of being dominated it has nothing to do with skill or athletic ability, but it's more about motivation. And you're talking about a character, Killmonger, whose every day, every kill has been motivating and leading to this moment of his life. He says he, everything he's done has led to this moment. Whereas T'Challa, again, he has just got the crown, but he's also full of self-doubt because his father's dead and he doesn't know what decisions to make. Exactly. And even though Killmonger, you can understand his motivations, he does show himself to be a ruthless and an evil person. For example, when he, after he's given the, the Black Panther powers, he orders for all of the plants to be burned down. And so he doesn't want anyone else to possess the power that he has. And so in a way, he's kind of destroyed the Wakandan culture. And also wanting to um, use the the forces and resources of Wakanda um, and to and to um, to use it as a violent means against other nations, he shows himself once he gains power that he is an evil person. Yeah, and whereas I wouldn't completely call his father Njobu an evil person like that, although Njobu he wanted to also use Wakanda's technology to free their people around the world from their oppressors. But again, when Njobu tries to shoot Zuri. That's when T'Chaka kills him. And then T'Chaka has this lie that he has to tell to the entire people of Wakanda, swears Zuri to secrecy. But Zuri then confesses to T'Challa what really happened, which fills 
T'Challa with even more self-doubt, but also mixed feelings about his father and says, what kind of man would leave that boy there in Oakland by himself and not, why, why wouldn't he just bring him back? Even though you could say he was justified in killing Njobu, but leaving the child there alone to grow up an orphan is just, how could he ever be loyal to a father that did that? Yeah, that's a great point. It's a, it's a dramatic moment in the film. And then I love that scene when the ancestor scene, not with T'Challa, but with Eric when he speaks to his father. It's a very emotional moment. And it's one of the strongest parts of the movie. And you really empathize and feel for that character. Yeah, and what's interesting, he doesn't go to the ancestral planes like T'Challa does to see the other Black Panther and former kings of Wakanda. He goes to that apartment in Oakland where his father lived with him. Well, I think that if you go, if you use the, the herb... You, you'll go to your ancestors, whoever they are. And so his his direct ancestor is his father who was, who I think it may, it's because that's where they grew up. Yeah, so. but uh, yeah, it's probably your ancestors. Yeah. Maybe it's where your ancestors died. Yeah. Maybe that's where you go. Well, his dad didn't die in Wakanda, so. That's what I mean. That. That's why he, he went to um the apartment. No, I'm talking about T'Challa's dad didn't die in Wakanda, so that wouldn't work out. Oh yeah, you're right. Never mind. Good call. He died at the UN in the explosion at the beginning of the film. Man. It's like I never seen no, him in Civil before. War. Well, at the UN, the yeah, explosion. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they showed it at the beginning of the film. You're right. They did show it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you do have a good job, man. <laughs> but there's some great action in this scene. I love the all the entire sequence in in Korea where, first of all, that great nightclub fight. It's excellent. There's the casino. a casino. Yeah, yeah the it looks casino. just like Skyfall. Yeah, yeah. And there's a really great long take in that in that fight scene. And then also the, the car chase right after that. It's just heart pounding and such a great special effects and stunt work and to have everyone involved not just t'challa the whole crew's involved it's all the women and the black panther and just um involved in this action scene i think they did a really good job with it and the music for this film is phenomenal because kendrick lamar did a lot of the music but also ludwig gornson who did tenet most recently won an oscar for his, his his score for this film and it's phenomenal and he did an amazing job creating something completely unique to anything i'd ever heard before in a film and it's such a good it's a, such a good playlist and, and soundtrack but also to complement kendrick's playlist as well yeah ludwig traveled through africa and recorded a lot of local musicians and also learned about uh, many of the instruments in these villages and he, so he used a lot of um local instruments in this score most notably it's uh a lot of great drum work and then there's a lot of flute work in this film along mixed with chants and a lot of choir work and so he really made something really unique and when you watch this movie with this music it's like one of those scores where it's like it's just perfect it makes the movie that much better and to kind of create a full circle of uh two characters who are um opposite forces kind of helping each other is mboku and the mountain people the mountain tribes they actually save T'Challa, and he's comatose, and that's when um, Nakia, Shuri, Ross, and Ramonda, they flee to the Jarabi tribe for aid. They rescued him. He's in a coma, and thank God that Nakia saved one of those flowers while Killmonger was burning them all so that they could heal T'Challa and bring the power of the Black Panther back into his body. It's like uh, spinach for Popeye. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> but um, that tribe, what is it called? 
Jarabi. The Jarabi tribe in the comic books is actually they are actually located within the rainforest. But Ryan Coogler felt that that would be a little too cliche and not very surprising or interesting for the audience to see. And so he changed it and did a complete 180. And he was like, "What if we set it somewhere on the snow, like on a snowy mountaintop in an Arctic environment?" And uh, I think that's it's one of the best visual moments of the film to just see this completely different environment that you wouldn't think is located in Africa, but there are actually a couple of mountains in Africa that are high enough where they, in elevation, where they do get snowy. And there's actually, it's Mount Kenya in Kenya. It actually uh, does get snow on top of it. So it's not an unrealistic thing for Africa, but it's not it's not something we think of when we think of Africa. So I thought it was a really great idea for Coogler to throw that into the film. Yeah, and I love Winston Duke as M'Baku because he's such a massive, imposing being. And then just the to have, guy. yeah, to have him and T'Challa in their battle, but also he does bring some humor but also his tribe and his tradition, they kind of reject the technology and advancement and great wealth of Wakanda for their old traditions because they believe in the ways you could say of what those tribes used to be like before the vibranium probably landed in Africa, in Wakanda. And so I, you could say that that tribe is very similar to a real tribes in Africa as opposed to Wakanda itself. And then we have the great... Black Panther versus Black Panther fight because Killmonger, he's immediately starting his plans to start weaponizing soldiers and agents around the world who are Wakandan to gain control of wherever they are, you can assume. And so he's sending his mission before he's about to send all of this weaponry, this advanced Wakandan weaponry out. But that's when Black Panther T'Challa comes to challenge him. And also we have a great battle between Wakabi and his army versus, you could say, the soldiers of Wakanda and Okoye. And Okoye, and it's a great battle because it's, it's, I don't know if they're husband and wife, but they are lovers and they're battling against each other. Yeah, it's complicated for them because half of the Wakandans are loyal to whoever is on the throne and whoever the king is. And then half of the Wakandans you see are loyal to T'Challa when he finally shows up. And it's that great epic shot where there's a ship taking off that Killmonger ordered out and as the the ship is lifting up it just explodes and you're like what the hell happened to it and then in the rubble T'Challa just stands up and he just like spreads his arms open he's like ready bitch yeah (laughs) it's the hero pose it's amazing it's a great moment and it's a great superhero fight because it's two characters and two beings that have virtually identical powers and they have pretty much identical suits and it's really cool to watch it'd be like watching Superman versus Superman but it's like it's like watching uh Link versus Dark Link when you're playing Zelda. What a dork. (laughs) (laughs) Shadow Zelda. I mean, Shadow Link. It's cool. Shadow Link, yeah, I remember, yeah. But Killmonger, of of course, loses to T'Challa, similar to the Lion King. He chooses not to yield, not to be saved, where he'd eventually obviously be in prison probably for the rest of his life. But he chooses to die a free man instead. Yeah, and he even has this great line where he said um, he'd rather die like the the slaves who jumped off the ships before they were brought to colonized countries in the ocean yeah, yeah. so uh, it's a really uh, it's a really deep and metaphorical ending for eric and i just i really love how t'challa shows him the respect because he's a he's also a fellow wakandan and he brings him to see the sunset because i think Wakanda, i think t'challa wants him to see the sunset because it's something that eric never experienced to see the beauty of their land um that was um, that he never had experienced, but he should have. 
And so I think that was a great moment for T'Challa to show the morality that lies within him. And even though this person um, tried to kill him and took everything from him and wanted to destroy, uh, in a lot of ways, destroy Wakanda, he still uh, treated him with respect at the end of his life. Yeah, because T'Challa is an honorable man. He doesn't yeah. want to make the same mistakes that his father made when it came to Njobu and, and, and Eric and their bloodline. And then, but the, the entire experience, it changes T'Challa. And by the end of this film, he's decided to um, show the world what Wakanda is, who they really are, and the resources that they possess and the technology they possess as a way of benefiting the world. Um, and it's a great... It, and they teased before this film came out, they teased that this would have a drastic effect on the MCU in the world. And, and they were right because Wakanda will end up becoming probably the most important nation in the world now. And basically, Nakia was right the whole time, man. You got to listen to your girlfriend, bro. <laughs> Moral of the story, listen to your girlfriend. Yeah, so T'Challa, he appears at the UN to reveal the truth to the world about Wakanda. And he also establishes those outreach centers at the building, plus the other ones surrounding it, where Eric Stevens lived as a child and his father died in Oakland. Yeah. It's a great ending. And I, I, it's a really fantastic Marvel film where the lead character goes through immense transformation. And I think that it's a, a fantastic first film. And... I mean, it's going to be hard to see what the filmmakers have come up with to come after Chadwick's death because you we all imagine this would be a great trilogy and Chadwick would be involved in the Avengers heavily. I thought I I assume my guess was that he that Black Panther was actually going to be the new leader of the Avengers for the next phases and um like the captain of the team kind of like Captain America. And now there's like this whole that has been exposed in Marvel, in this part of Marvel. And um, I've heard rumors that maybe Shuri will become the next Black Panther or maybe they'll cast a new actor or, or actress to be to take the reins up. But I think that no matter what, Ryan Coogler and the filmmakers, they have a heavy task in front of them. Uh, and I don't think that they should, that we need to take the attitude of like, let's try and they, they need to like top this one. But I think, or or make it as good. But I think it's a challenge where they have to respect Chadwick, um, pay their respects to him, but then also keep telling their story. Because I read an interview where Ryan Coogler was asked how the process of making the sequel has been because they're in pre-production right now. And he said, obviously, it's extremely difficult for him. And he said that the main thing that keeps him going is that he said that Chadwick would want him to keep going. Absolutely. So I think that they're all motivated Thinking on thinking of Chadwick and believing that this is what he wants for them to just keep telling the story. Yeah, it's hard to guess what they're gonna do. Everything that's been said is just rumor and speculation at this point. There are no confirmations really, and I know that there there are rumors of actors being auditioned or or cast, but I think they don't want to recast T'Challa, obviously. But like you said, maybe a new Black Panther. Maybe maybe it's Nakia. Maybe it's Wakabi. Wakabi, maybe it's Shuri, Mbaku. Who knows? Who knows who yeah. it's going to be? Maybe it's a completely new character from Wakanda we haven't met yet. But either way, I'm sure they're going to figure it out. And of course, they they can only try to hope to capture what Chadwick Boseman captured as Black Panther and T'Challa. Yeah. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they what they come up with, and I wish them well, um, and I wish them the best of luck. But with Ryan Coogler, I think he's he'll be able to handle it. If anyone can. How about some fun facts about Black Panther? Let's do it, man. 
Black Panther is the first movie in the MCU to have its opening weekend domestically surpass its production cost. So Black Panther cost $200 million to make, and the film earned in its opening weekend in America $202 million. The language spoken by Wakandans is actually a real language called Xhosa, a South African language characterized by clicks and glottal stops. And it's actually the language that is native to the famous Nelson Mandela. And it's from the Cape region in South Africa. And John Connie, who plays T'Challa's father, T'Chaka, he is Xhosa. And um, when they made Captain America Civil War, um, Chadwick Boseman and Connie b uh, agreed that his natural accent would work well for the Wakandan accent. And so he taught Chadwick Boseman um, the language and and how to speak it to, how to speak in English with this accent, and so they adopted this real language for the Wakandan language. Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis obviously played Bilbo Baggins and Gollum, respectively, in the Hobbit trilogy and Lord of the Rings films. They were affectionately known on the predominantly black set as the Tolkien white guys. Get it, <laughs> Tolkien. <laughs> That's good. When Chadwick Boseman won Best Hero at the MTV Music at the MTV Movie Awards, he actually invited James Shaw James Shaw Jr. up on stage to accept the award with him. James Shaw Jr. is the hero who um, saved a, a Waffle House by taking down a gunman who was attacking the Waffle House in Nashville, Tennessee. The gunman killed four people, but Shaw was able to stop any other people from getting harmed, and Chadwick Boseman shared the Best Hero award with him. Black Panther was actually the first Marvel character whose movie rights reverted back to Marvel. Artists and Entertainment and Columbia Pictures previously owned the character, but Marvel got the rights back in 2005. Yeah, so Sony and Columbia, they had Black Panther for a long time, and they never made anything with him. Obviously, in retrospect, they had a huge missed opportunity because they could have made some movies and, I mean, had great representation. Yeah, so I don't know what they were thinking, why they would even buy the character if, not, if they weren't going to make a film with him. It's said that Shuri is actually the smartest person in the entire Marvel Universe, even more intelligent than Tony Stark. And she certainly shows it in this film because she has a genius intellect, is an engineer, a scientist, a doctor, a mathematician, and an architect. So she's pretty smart. Wicked smart, kid. All right, that wraps our episode on Black Panther. We really hope you all enjoyed this one. Be sure to go to RaidersOfLostPodcast.com. Check out all of our content. Become a patron at Patreon.com slash RaidersOfLostPodcast and find all of our merch and our movie posters. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take care, everyone.